0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. We're going to try and hit up some gun stuff today, and you're going to learn a few things. Now, if you're a Californian, you should be celebrating still. Absolutely, you should be having a giant party if you're a Californian and in favor of gun rights. Because as I mentioned last week, they had a judge rule in favor of eliminating a particular aspect of their gun roster. This was some crazy high-tech micro-stamping technique that they wanted each shell fired out of any pistol to have a unique marking of some sort on every shell that was fired in two different places. Basically, they asked for something that was technologically impossible to do with current production standards. This was shot down by a judge calling it unconstitutional because it was impossible to make this a standard production item that they could enforce. So now, I know it's... Now, the last 30 days, they haven't had any guns added to the roster, but they are... People are... The gun companies are submitting these guns to be tested to be available in California. Now, they will still have 10-round magazine limits in California. But now, all these new guns that have never been available in California before in the last 10 years are now going to be becoming available in massive form, which is going to be fantastic. Which means instead of having to deal with the old Gen 3 Glock, which, don't get me wrong, is a fine weapon. like them very much. Now you can consider getting a Gen 4 or a Gen 5 with no problem. The new SIG 320s, all those variations will be available. The Heckler and Cock VP9 will be available. VP40s will all be available because they have the safety requirements that California requires. But since the micro stamping is no longer a requirement, all those weapons should be available if the manufacturers decide to submit them for testing. And it's a relatively inexpensive process. And they don't even test them, they just look at them for safety features and determine whether they should be on the roster or not. They have to have a uh, chamber load indicator and, uh, you know, and some sort of safety. Most of them have trigger safeties, some have thumb safeties, but now no longer requiring micro stamping. Which means the gun doesn't have, a, have to have a little laser or stamp inside of it that imprints every shell with some sort of weird marking. I mean, they were thinking we were in the space age here wanting to do all this crazy stuff. But now California gun roster will no longer require micro stamping, which was the big holdup from adding any guns to the roster. They were essentially getting gun control without having to tell you couldn't have one. You just couldn't have certain ones. And anything that was manufactured after a certain date or if a new model came out on one – It didn't have this crazy space-age micro-stamping technology in it. It was not allowed to be on the gun roster. But now, all that's gone. So hopefully, Californians will be able to enjoy freedom again that they haven't enjoyed for almost 10 years. I believe the roster went into effect in 2013 with the micro-stamping requirement. And no manufacturer has ever mass-produced a gun or had a gun in production that was capable of micro-stamping any of the shells so it was something that was just in it was ridiculous it was backdoor gun control and backdoor always hurts a little more so you know be careful of that and pay attention to it because they will their politicians will do anything to take your guns away so now california should celebrate now all you need is another Freedom Week or two, and you'll be good to go. Now, Freedom Week, in case you don't know, was a point where Judge Benitez shot down the 10-round magazine limit in California, and for one glorious week, Californians were able to order whatever size magazine they want for any semi-automatic weapon that they had, and were able to get them shipped into state. Anything that was ordered during that week was... Now is now going to be legal in California. Now, after that week, anything that was ordered after that week will not be legal still because they reinstated the 10-round magazine limit. But if you ordered anything during that time, even if it didn't arrive to you before the week was over, if it was ordered during that week, you got to keep it and it was yours forever. And they estimate approximately 1.4 million standard capacity magazines came into California and that the whole... Every, all the gun enthusiasts were very excited and they thought that they would have to give them up again possibly if they reinstated it, but because it was not enforceable during that week, anything that was ordered during that week is legal in California. Now to me that opens up a big possibility of all these other magazines coming in that how are you going to determine when they were purchased? You know, are you going to you just tell them I purchased some during Freedom Week and boom, there's no way they can prove otherwise. They're not requiring receipts or anything like that for you for when you purchased it. So uh, it's going to be a lot less strict on magazine capacity issues in California. Now, granted, if you're robbing a store and you have a high capacity magazine, I'm sure they'll throw that in on top of your armed robbery clause. But anyway, California looks like it's becoming a little freer. So as as odd as that may sound, that's kind of crazy. And I talked about this a little bit last week, you know, that California law enforcement officers, certain politicians, government officials are allowed to carry guns that are not on the California legal roster. And if these guns are so, so unsafe, because this was a, it was uh, passed as a, as a safety law. California Safe Handgun Act or something like that. And if these guns are so unsafe, why should law enforcement have them? Why should government officials have them? Why should private security companies for politicians have them? They shouldn't because it's all complete bull squeeze. There's no reason why any of these guns should be made illegal because of their lack of micro-stamping capability. But... Here we go. Hopefully, this will open the floodgates. People will be able to get more and better guns than they've ever had before in California. And they'll catch up with the rest of the country. I'm still waiting for them to shoot down the magazine ban again. But as of yet, it's still in force. So even though you'll be able to get all these new weapons available to you now, the magazines will still be restricted to 10, which is better than in New York, where he restricted the magazines to seven rounds. And when they told him most weapons don't have seven-round magazines available, he said, okay, you can have a 10-rounder, but don't load it past seven rounds. Right. That's what I'm going to do. It's like taking my car to the gas station. It's got a 21-gallon tank, but I'm only going to put 10 gallons in it at a time because that's safer. (laughs) I wish they would force politicians to live by some of their own rules. That would be amazing. Now, this is a story out of uh, New Mexico, which to me is, there. I always thought they were a pro- relatively pro-gun state, but apparently they have a new governor, and what is her name? Michelle Lujan Grisham, yes. Anyway, she is- issued an executive order trying to limit handguns in some way and what did that do of course oh my god now we're limiting handguns it spurred sales in new mexico to record levels people were going out to every gun store they could find purchasing whatever was in violation of the federal order or none of the federal order the executive order from the governor so they were going to try and issue a blanket 30-day prohibition against carrying guns around albuquerque and of course citizens just did not comply they were carrying them say come on arrest me let's get this over with let's do this and apparently from what i understand nobody was arrested for carrying their weapon even though there's an executive order to prevent people from carrying and the sales of guns went skyrocketing during this time because this is just you know one step towards again gun restrictions that are unconstitutional and uh I say the clerk, it was a clerk at Albuquerque gun shop, right to bear arms. Asked her an anonymous because he doesn't want the governor coming down on him personally. He doesn't want retribution against him. But he said they've seen a jump in traffic because people are nervous and rightfully so when they think their right to purchase a gun won't be around in the near future. This has happened every time there's been an attempt to limit guns in some way. The sales spike, people go off the charts trying to buy stuff, prices go up, and people pay those prices. Why? Because if you think you won't be able to get it, you'll pay more for it now. You'll fight to get whatever rights you have and keep them and make them keep working for you. You know, And it's funny because most of these people would never have purchased a gun otherwise except for the fact they were told you can't have one. You tell somebody they can't have something, that's the first thing they're going to go looking for. That's why I think our war on drugs has been so dismal. Instead of trying to legalize it or instead of, you know, using rehab, they use law enforcement to try and, you know, stop people from doing something that they're going to do anyway. One way or another, drug users are going to use drugs of some sort or the other. They're not going to stop. Just like with criminals getting guns, they're not going to stop getting guns just because it's illegal. They're criminals. They break the law. That's their job criminals job is to break the law that's what they do so you can't stop people with laws unless they're law-abiding citizens but what does that do opens up the door for more and more criminals to feel safer and safer about taking out or committing violent acts against regular people here and there and everywhere So that's something that you have to consider. You know, you tell somebody they can't have something, that's the first thing they want. So the sales are going on in New Mexico. Gun sales are up. The politicians are arguing against, you know, being able to carry or have a gun or whatever it is they want to do. And what does it do? It drives the sales of guns. Like Obama. I remember when Obama was president, every year that he was president for the first four years, the background checks hit records. Especially around holiday seasons like Black Friday. I remember one Black Friday, they sold enough weapons in one day to arm every single active duty U.S. Marine. It was like 186,000 in one day. So be aware of that. You tell somebody they can't have something, you try and restrict a right that they're used to exercising, it's going to backfire. People are going to speak out. They're not going to comply. They're going to do what they feel is right. They're not going to. I think people are getting tired of complying after the whole COVID situation, <clears throat> trying to force people to wear a mask, tell them they couldn't go outside, try and restrict what they were doing. I think people realize that was a huge sh- sham. There was no reason for 90% of that to be going on. And of course, everybody who complied looks back now and goes, oh my gosh, we were so stupid. We never should have done that. We never should have given the government that much power shut down churches, shut down stores, shut down businesses of all kinds. And uh, unfortunately, uh, most people did because they feel like the government is looking out for their best interest. And the more we see stuff like this, the more we realize they are not looking out for our best interest all the time. We have to be very careful and you have to question things if they seem to be out of line or if they seem to be in violation of an existing law or existing right that we have. You have to question it. In fact, the Founding Fathers wrote the Constitution so it could be changed, it could be questioned, it could be discussed. It was a document that the people could change if they found necessary. And we've made some mistakes with changing the Constitution in the past. Like we had Prohibition. It lasted five, six years, something like that. And it turned out to be a mistake because you can't limit people from doing something, from enjoying something they want especially if they do it in the privacy of their own home, the privacy of a club, and they don't drive, they don't threaten anybody else by doing it. There's no reason to limit people from, I guess you'd say, recreational drinks, recreational smoking, whatever it is that they may want to do. And that's something that's going to come up again and again. Now with the laws in uh, states with marijuana, apparently you can buy marijuana in a lot of states or THC products, whatever you want. However... It is still a class, I think class two, it's a controlled substance. Federally, The federal government classifies it as a controlled substance. And if you use a controlled substance, get this, you give up your right to purchase a gun. So if you're filling out that little yellow form, that 4473 form, and they ask you if you're a marijuana user, and you are, even if it's legal in your state, even if you have a card that says you're allowed to, a doctor's note, so to speak, it's still illegal according to the federal government, and you should not be doing it. It depends on what your last name is. It does? Sure. I thought anyone in California could do it regardless of last name. <laughs> well, that's true too. Colorado, Washington, Wyoming, New York City. And I know New York City for a fact because I was there. Everywhere you went, oh my gosh, you could smell the magic in the air. <laughs> And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You know, that's up to each individual to decide if they want to do that or not. If they do, fine. If they don't, that's up to you. However, it is still a federally controlled substance. And the biggest issue I'm seeing is I'm talking to people who do this business, and a lot of it has to be done in cash because most credit card processors are national companies, and they cannot allow themselves to be... Involved with some of these class two substance dealing or controlled substance dealing companies. So these companies have trouble getting bank accounts. They have trouble accepting uh, charging credit cards or debit cards because the banks are usually national and they don't want to have anything to do with this because they're not allowed to. Now, at some point, this is going to have to come down. I think they've got, I know of at least six or seven states that have decriminalized marijuana use or THC product use now and I just wonder And the government the federal government's not going in and shutting them down they're not going in shutting down the dispensaries they're not going down shutting in the stores that are selling its products or anybody else that's doing any having anything to do with distribute or selling it they are just sitting back and watching they're not enforced the DEA is not enforcing drug laws in these states where it's decriminalized and you know And what are you supposed to do about that? They're selectively enforcing the law. They've decided it's not worth their time or effort or whatever to enforce marijuana laws in these states. Just like they decided it's not worth their time or effort to enforce immigration laws in border states. They're just letting them come in. No complaints, no problems, no holdups. If you want to come in, come in. No penalties for that either, which is crazy. I mean, we either are a sovereign nation with laws or we're not. Now, the thing is, I don't know. Now, some states give the illegals driver's licenses, allow them to rent places, allow them to open bank accounts, all which on a federal level should be illegal. But they're allowing it anyway. But yet, there's a state, I think it was Kansas, passed a law saying if you had any type of weapon that they did not deem to be illegal... Basically, they were saying suppressors is the big thing they went with. If you wanted a suppressor in Kansas, you could buy it. You could own it as long as it didn't leave the state, because if it leaves the state, it becomes interstate commerce, and that falls under a whole different set of laws. But if it was manufactured in Kansas for use in Kansas, that doesn't go out of the state. And there were people posting videos on Facebook, and people got arrested for it. The federal government decided to enforce those laws, even though Kansas was not going to enforce those laws or assist Law enforcement in any kind of enforcement against those laws, because they felt like the Second Amendment protected that particular right. Which I'm telling you, that is just one thing that has shocked me to the end. I mean, why not protect your hearing? Why not protect everybody around you's hearing? Make sure you have your gun. Now, granted, a suppressor on a pistol makes it much quieter. Now, put suppressor on a rifle does not completely silence it. It's still supersonic. It's still going to have a crack. You're still going to know there's a gun being fired. But it will be much less damaging to your ears or to anybody else's ears who are near you. So it actually, it would be a good thing to make these more accessible for safety reasons. If not, more people need hearing aids. More people go deaf from not protecting their hearing. And it would just seem like it would be a a no-nonsense easy thing to go ahead and pass now i'm not saying you just hand them out like cookies but if you can buy a handgun in a state you should be able to buy a suppressor as well i think a suppressor has been used in two crimes since they became illegal or since they became heavily regulated in 1934 there's been two instances where suppressors have been used in a normal crime now granted There are people all over the world who use them for espionage and secret stuff like that, but that's going to happen no matter what. All right, we have to take a quick break. I'll be right back after this. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans.
0: Veteran-owned America's Web Radio endorses and supports Dr. Rich McCormick for Georgia's 6th District, U.S. House of Representatives. As a decorated marine helicopter pilot, and now an emergency room doctor who served on the front lines against COVID-19, Dr. Rich McCormick has never been afraid of a fight. Whether it's communist China abroad, or the
1: radical left in America, Rich knows the next fight facing America is to stop socialism. He's all in. Vote for Rich McCormick. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Right before we left, we were talking about, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, we were talking about the uh, <clears throat> suppressors and how they're still heavily restricted in this country. Now, from what I understand, suppressors in other countries are not near as restricted as as they are here. In fact, if you can purchase a handgun in any other country in Europe, you can buy the suppressor right along with it. Now, I don't know if they're they're selling them at the local hardware store. They are restricted in some sense. So are the pistols. But in this country, what they were trying to do with the Hearing Protection Act is make them no more restricted than purchasing a handgun, which means you still have to undergo your background check. You still have to fill out the 4473 form. You still have to be legal status to own a handgun in your state, and that would enable you to purchase a suppressor with no additional fees, no additional, you know, background checks or anything like that. Which would seem sensical, but who knows? It's crazy how they they have these laws from the 30s, which they have on the books, and nobody even knows why most of them exist. Like the the short-barreled rifle, that was considered some very threatening weapon, Back in the 30s and they put it on a restricted list, requires a special permit and a tax stamp to get a, a rifle with a barrel shorter than 16 inches. And then came the pistol brace. The pistol brace was developed in order to help veterans who were wounded or people who were wounded in some form or fashion and didn't have use of both their arms to be able to handle a rifle cartridge in a pistol size package basically you could put this brace on a rifle or a pistol and it would enable you to hold it better to stabilize it better thus a stabilizing brace and what it did is it wrapped around your forearm in order to hold you to give you two points of contact with your handgun if you had Arms missing, nerve damage, anything that will prevent you from holding a, a rifle in a standard position with, a, in a standard way with both hands. What happened is over the last 12 years, these have become commonplace. You can find them at any gun show, any gun store. And now, after 12 years and almost 40 million of these being sold, now the ATF has decided to reclassify everything with a pistol brace on it as a short barrel rifle and as a short barrel rifle it requires federal registration and a two hundred dollar tax stamp now this happened at the beginning of this year i think it was in january and that 120 day grace period and this grace period allowed you to either disassemble the weapon take off the stock put something else on it change the barrel length something to not have it fall within that less than 16 inches with anything on the back of it, but the thing is, there were so there's are millions of these out there, and they've been legal for for over a decade now. And now they want to repeal this, change it back, and try and make it a restricted item. And some people did register short-barreled rifles during this time period. Now, if you did, you got a tax stamp at no cost to you. Normally, it's a two hundred dollar fee. The two hundred dollar fee was waived. You could register your short-barreled rifle. Oh, excuse me, <clears throat> short-barreled rifle, or I guess you could say long-barreled pistol with a brace on it. It was legal to own as long as you registered it within the first 120 days. That time period has now passed, and court cases are being filed one after another. And apparently, there are several groups. I think it's oh, uh, Firearms Protection Coalition, and there's a couple of others that have protection under the lawsuits they filed for all of their members. So if you're a member of one of these groups that's involved in these lawsuits, then you have protection for now. Now, I don't know if they're going to reinstate the grace period, if this goes the wrong way, and if they hold up this this restriction. But for 12 years and 40 million sales, they allowed pistol braces to be held by anybody who could purchase a weapon, a pistol Anyone who could purchase a pistol could have one with a pistol brace on it. Now they've determined anything with a pistol brace on it is now a short barrel rifle unless its barrel is more than 16 inches long. So that's going to be a problem. I mean, there's millions of these out there. Most people, if you're not an enthusiast, you probably probably don't even know that this law has changed. Why would you? If you don't follow it, it's not going to be on the mainstream media. They're not going to announce it there. If you're not an enthusiast, you could have one of these weapons, currently be a felon and not even know it. So, But right now, the court cases are being fought. Several of them have gone in the way of gun rights and citizens' rights. So hopefully that will continue and the ATF will get shut down. Now, from what I understand, the ATF became a little overzealous because the Biden administration asked them to start restricting some sort of guns because they wanted to start making gun laws they wanted to start restricting our right to keep and bear arms and that's what caused a lot of this to start now if you've got a pistol brace weapon you know it makes the weapon so much more handy it gives you a huge range of use that you've never had before because you can stabilize it so much easier than trying to hold it with two hands without any sort of brace to have a third point of contact like with anything More points of contact, more stability. Most handguns have either one, if you're holding with one hand, or if you're holding with two hands, two points of contact. A rifle or shotgun, three points of contact. Two hands, and usually a shoulder, normally. That's what the pistol brace did. It allowed you to have three points of contact, which made the weapon more accurate. Now why would you not want somebody to be able to shoot better instead of worse? Why would you want to limit their accuracy? That just seems so ridiculous to me. But apparently in the 30s, apparently short barrel barrel rifles were extremely dangerous. Now, again, this is something where I believe only two cases in history have been, well, since 1934, two cases have been recorded of restricted weapons being used in a crime. And two out of thousands and thousands and thousands of crimes is virtually an anomaly there's no statistical significance to this whatsoever so they're telling you this is going to be the problem this is an issue oh my god it's making things so dangerous it is not absolutely not it is just one more step to limiting weapons that they feel they can get away with hopefully the atf will be overturned in this and pistol braces will once again become commonplace and anybody will be able to have them, use them, enjoy them, and gain the advantage of added accuracy to your weapon by having these pieces of plastic or additional accessories put on your gun. Because the the pistol brace itself is not a weapon. It has no it's not sold as a gun. It is strictly an accessory for a handgun to make it more stable, make it easier to shoot, make it more accurate to shoot. And I don't understand why anybody would want to make it less safe to shoot a gun by limiting what kind of accessories you're allowed to use. But yet, here we are. But again, I'm pretty sure the Biden administration asked the ATF to do something. You have to go after some sort of guns, somehow do something. So this is the way they chose. And it's going back and forth. But it looks like most of the judges are determining that these, because of their common use... That is one factor that's becoming a big deal. Like with the AR-15 rifles, they tried to limit them as assault rifles, and people arguing against it said these are common-use rifles. It is one of the most common rifles in the entire country. There are more AR-15s than any other specific rifle in the entire country. I'm not talking caliber or anything like that. I'm saying type of rifle design features that make an AR-15 and AR-15. There are more of them than any other single rifle in the entire country. So that is common use. And common use is one thing they use to determine if something should be illegal or not. Now, I have people ask me all the time, well, what kind of AR-15 should I get? And that's kind of a loaded question because haha, <laughs> loaded question. But uh, there are so many options. But right now, as it was back in 2019, prices are low. They have come back down to normal, even below normal levels. Stocks are high. If you have any inclination to buy a military-style weapon, right now would be a very good time to start looking into it. The choices are huge. The variety is amazing. Caliber choices are Are at an all-time high there are so many different options you can get on one or build one yourself because putting them together even if you buy the bottom half assembled and just put a top on it you're going to save yourself 11 percent of the sales price on a top half versus buying them together it's just the way the excise tax works they charge 11 percent on any gun And if you're buying a top half and a bottom half separately, only the bottom half is considered the gun. It has the serialized numbers on it. It is, quote, unquote, the gun. The rest of it is just accessories or parts. But if you're interested in getting one, you need to start looking now. If you need help, ask somebody. I would go over a few things that I would say I would want on one. Let's do that real quick now because people ask me all the time, so I'm going to cover some of that. One thing I would say you'd want to get if you're going to get one for use, get one with a flat top A3 style receiver. Now, this doesn't have any sights built into it, which means you will have to acquire some sort of sights before this weapon is able to be shot in a reasonable manner. I'm not saying you can't shoot it because I... As a range officer I ran into a guy who had no sights on his flat top AR fifteen and he was there shooting it and he was having some trouble loading and I helped him and I looked at the gun and said, You have no sights on it. He goes, Oh, that's okay, I just want to shoot it just to see how it works. Okay, wasn't being unsafe, wasn't pointing the gun in an unsafe direction, but he certainly was not gonna hit the target in a consistent manner, but you know what? He just wanted to I think shoot the Air fifteen just to make sure it functioned and he would add all whatever else he needed later. But a flat top receiver gives you a whole load of possibilities. You can even get just standard iron sights and clip them onto the A3 tops. And you can work with that. You can get, you can get a handle which has sights built in on the rear and then get a front sight which bolts onto the front of the weapon also. So they can be made, but of course I'm a big fan of optics in case you didn't know. I want an optic on any kind of rifle because In order to squeeze the most amount of range and capability out of a rifle, an optic is going to help you do that. And there are people who will yell and say, oh no, no, it makes it much more frail, much less, uh, reliable. And some of these factors are true, but the reliability of modern scopes has been proven. They are there, they are durable. They're cut more precise than they've ever been because 20 years ago they weren't using, well, maybe 30 years ago, they weren't using computer-controlled machines to cut the glass, to cut the tubes, to make everything fit together in the most efficient way possible. But now they do. You can get a really decent quality optic for an AR-15 for probably under $200, sometimes even $100. And that is something to look into. So you want to get a flat-top receiver, number one option. If you don't have one or you want to get something else, sure you can, but for the most versatility, the most capability, a flat-top receiver on an AR is number one option I would look for. Now, as far as barrel length goes, we're assuming we're talking about rifles here and not pistols. Minimum rifle length has to be 16 inches on the barrel. And then your rear stock whether you want it collapsible whether you want it fixed is kind of up to a personal preference a lot of the collapsible stocks do save a little room in the gun case and they give you a little more capability as far as being a little more handy if you're using this for hunting or using this for for cqb close quarters combat close quarters battle you want a barrel that's as short as possible and right now legally the barrel can be no less than 16 inches long a lot of companies make them 16.1 to make sure there's no discrepancy now that 16 inch length includes any kind of muzzle device that is on the gun that is welded onto the gun or attached in a what they call a permanent fashion so if you have some sort of muzzle breaker flash height or something like that as long as it's pinned and welded Protected, it should be fine. It should be legal, and then your barrel length could be as short as you want, as long as the muzzle break or flash suppressor extension meets the 16 inch requirement. So that's something to consider too. Now, I believe the standard military version of the gun is 14 and a half inches long in the barrel, with a couple inches of of uh, flash suppressor. So they are very close to the 16 inches. That seems to be the minimum length. ...for an AR-15 firing a 5.56 cartridge. Now, there are other cartridges that are available. There's probably, you know, two or three dozen other cartridges. They range from a twenty-two up to a three fifty Legend, which is the, one of the latest ones. Now, the three fifty Legend is unique in the fact that it has straight walls. It's a .35 caliber, and it does require a different magazine, I believe, to load properly... But it's mostly developed as a hunting cartridge because you can only have straight wall cartridges for deer in a lot of different states and municipalities. So it's a powerful cartridge. It fits in the AR-15 as long as a 6.5 Grendel, 300 Blackout, uh, 458 SOCOM, probably one of the most powerful cartridges available in an AR-15. And there's a whole range of big bore stuff, the 50 Beowulf, 450 SOCOM, which I mentioned, the 450 Bushmaster, uh, and there's another one that's really popular too that I can't think of at the moment, but big bores are popular and they're some of the most powerful cartridges you can get in an AR-15. So consider that. I think the 458 SOCOM is close to being equivalent with a 4570 government cartridge, which is a big cartridge, but it is old and it was developed during black powder times. So it's not going to be as powerful as something that's more modern. Thus, the 458. And these make excellent hunting cartridges. They make really good brush guns because they can be put in a relatively short-barreled rifle. 16 inches is relatively short-barreled when you're talking about a rifle. And with the availability of accessories on the Air 15s you can customize it any way you want. Now, if you're looking for one, though, I believe I've said this before, your first one... Unless you're looking for a purpose-built weapon, you're looking to hunt deer, you're looking to hunt pigs or whatever, the first cartridge you should probably get is a 5.56. After that, or if you want something purpose-built, look for something with a heavier bullet, look for something that would be more efficient for hunting, to kill deer, to kill pigs, to kill, I don't know, whatever else you're going to shoot at that's a game animal. Now, granted, they are limited to probably a deer is probably the biggest thing you'd probably want to shoot with most of them until you get into the the 450 class. Then you can get up to some black bears. Even I don't know that I would consider that efficient enough for a grizzly bear or not. But then again, there's people who have killed grizzlies with nine millimeters. <coughs> so who am I to say? <clears throat> but you have a ton of options. So you're going to get a flat top receiver pick your caliber your cartridge i would like to see anybody who has a rifle for self-defense even for hunting for hunting i'd want at least three to four magazines for self-defense i would want no less than 10 when i say 10 magazines who needs 10 magazines well if you ever have any doubt play a video game for five minutes and see how many times you have to reload that rifle in a close quarters combat situation or close quarters battle situation You'll get an idea how fast ammo can burn if you needed it for a defensive situation or in the event you have to hold off intruders coming into your house or onto your property or protect your family from multiple intruders. You want to be able to have enough ammo to do it and hold people at bay to give you time to get to safety or to secure your domicile, your business, whatever you're protecting. So keep that in mind. I mean, magazines, and they are a wear item. The springs get worn. Parts of the magazine get worn. So keep enough around to where you wouldn't have to worry about if one or two goes bad, you can replace it quickly and easily and still have a reasonable amount of ammunition available at your at your will, basically. So keep that in mind also. And magazines are relatively inexpensive. They're plentiful, easy to get. Now, some of the more specific magazines like the big bore cartridges in an F-15, they do require a different feeding system on the magazine follower. Will they work without it? Mm, Sometimes. I think the 300 Blackout will work in a standard 5.56 cartridge. However, there are companies that make specific magazines for the 300 Blackout. Now, the 300 Blackout is a little shorter version of a 5.56 shell that's been necked up to a 30 caliber. It's Probably equivalent to a standard light load 3030. So it would be capable of taking deer, possibly black bears if you have a really clear shot with a heavy enough bullet. You know, a, a variety of other mid-size animals for hunting. And another neat thing about the, uh, the 300 Blackout is with heavy bullets, it is completely flash free with a nine and a half inch barrel. Now of course you get into a nine and a half inch barrel, that's not really a rifle anymore. That becomes a pistol, if possible, with a pistol brace which right now is in question and not legal for everybody to own. It was for the last 12 years, but now you're not supposed to have a pistol brace, and you're supposed to disassemble and destroy the pistol brace if you remove it. Originally, they said disassembly was enough. Now the ATF is saying it must be destroyed. They want you to destroy something you paid good money for. When you bought it, it was perfectly legal. There was nothing wrong with it. No restrictions on it at all. As long as you had the gun legally purchased you could accessorize it however you want and if a pistol brace was an accessory you wanted that was perfectly legal there were no restrictions on that whatsoever now however just having a pistol brace in your home with anything that it can fit on is a violation and can be punished you know so you could have been a perfectly legal law-abiding citizen yesterday but as of now you may be a, a felon Just because of the change of policy of one particular government agency, always the way, always great to have people made into felons overnight without even doing anything different than they've ever done prior. So let's avoid the pistol braces for now, I think would probably be a good thing until they get it finally, get this case settled, and hopefully they'll stand up in. In favor of the pistol braces because they are amazingly convenient for all kinds of semi-automatic weapons even semi-automatic pistols some of them just amazing how much more stable they do make your firing platform all right we're gonna have to take another quick break i'll be right back after this we'll cover more accessories you want on your ar 15 i am roger b this is locked and loaded and you're listening to america's web radio If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen
0: to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio,
1: live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app.
0: If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you you, you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear The Doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor Show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor Show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right and you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, The On Point with Victor Show, only right here on America's Web Radio.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, boys and girls. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about AR-15s, and if you don't have one and you want one or have any desire to look for one, Now is a good time. The prices are as low as I've seen in probably three or four years. Actually, longer than that until after 2019, they started to escalate and they skyrocketed there for a while. Ammo is still high, not at its its highest point, but it is starting to drift down rather slowly. It's like somebody said about gas prices. Up like a rocket, down like a parachute. Because you know, once they fill those tanks with that expensive gas, they have to try and milk it as long as they can. Although they don't keep in they don't take into account when they had the cheap gas in the tanks, and then it skyrocketed up. They certainly didn't sell the cheap gas at the cheaper price. But right now, AR-15s are plentiful. You can get them at almost any distributor. Any now, I don't know about big box stores anymore. I know Dick's doesn't deal with stuff like that anymore i think academy still may have some but your local gun shop may be the best place to go because your local gun shop is going to know they're going to be able to talk to you feel you out listen to what you want pay attention to what your needs are and try and guide you from there now if you know enough to go online and pick out your own knowing what features you want if you don't already have one and you have any interest now would be a good time and keep in mind even after you get one you're going to want to accessorize it if you get a flat top receiver you're going to need some sort of optic or sights on that it's you're not going to be able to shoot it very well without sights on it so include that in your budget also ammunition and like i said it has fallen down completely impri- not completely but it has fallen down a large amount from what it was at its peak so it is available at a pretty reasonable price now And you're going to want to stock up on that. At least get 500 rounds. I would say no less than a 1,000, but 500 would probably be okay. Now you're wondering, 500 rounds, how many magazines do I need? Well, if you have 10 magazines, 30 rounds apiece, that's 300 rounds of ammo you can load into magazines and have a 200-round battle pack to carry with you if you had to. So there you go. That would be a minimum amount for any rifle that's going to be used in a self-defense. Now, if you're going hunting, once it's sighted in, you probably don't need more than a box every year, a box ammo. But if you think you might need it for self-protection, always stock up on more. I would recommend no less than several hundred rounds for any type of weapon that is going to be used for self-defense. Now, with a rifle, you don't always need as many rounds to train with because a lot of rifle shooting is done at precision for, for precision rather than for rapid firing. And a lot of it is not used for self-defense, but rather for hunting purposes, which needs a lot less practice than does self-defense. Because self-defense, you're dealing with one of the, well, I hate to say smartest animals on the planet because a lot of people don't fall into that category. But in comparison to other animals, humans are probably some of the most intelligent on the planet. Although dolphins would probably argue that. Who knows? So get your ammunition, get your weapon, get your sights on your flat-top weapon, and then if there's any money left over, buy a case. Buy a storage case to keep it protected. You're going to want something to put it in rather than just leave it laying around underneath the bed or on the kitchen floor or on the kitchen table. You want to put it in a case that's going to help protect it. But the price is now, Like I said, I think you could build an AR-15 for well under $500. I think if you really... Search a little bit. You can do it for under $300. And that would be a great way to, to get an entry-level weapon to get started with. Now, once you learn how all the controls on an AR-15 work and you practice with them a little bit, they pretty much run standard across the board. Almost all AR-15s have very similar controls, placement and functionality. So if you learn how to use an AR-15 with one of them, you'll be able to use almost all of them. It's not going to be that difficult to pick that up. So keep that in mind. If you have somebody who can help you, that would be the best thing. I always recommend take a friend who knows something with you, if you have one. If not, go on YouTube, check out the opinions of people see if you find any consensus among them see if you can find people who you know are good reputable i guess testers or people who could give you opinions on what accessories or style rifle you may want like say i would start with a 5.56 if it's your first one and you're not using it exclusively for hunting if it's more of a self-defense weapon the 5.56 should be your number one choice After that, you can branch out, get something more specialized, or if you're going to use it for hunting, you're going to need a much bigger cartridge. Because to be honest, I don't know enough about the laws in all the states. Some states a 5.56 is legal for hunting deer-sized animals. Some states it is not. So you'll have to do your own research on that, depending on what kind of hunting you're going to be doing, as to what kind of cartridge you're allowed to use to do it. So... Go out there, do some shopping, take a look around. Remember, Halloween is coming up, Thanksgiving is coming up, Christmas is coming up, New Year's is coming up. All these holidays will probably put a lot of these manufacturers and distributors into sale mode, which means whatever prices they have are probably going to be even more discounted in the very near future. So keep that in mind. Start looking now. See if you find something. Set it up on price alert so you know if the price changes. So you're going to need your weapon. You're going to need half a dozen to 10 magazines. You're going to need a case to put everything in. And you're going to need 500 rounds of ammo. That should be a good basic battle pack containing an AR-15. With those particular items, that should be enough to get you started. Then, of course, there's the practice. How long do you need to practice? How many rounds should you fire? Again, depends on how good you want to get. Usually, the more practice, the better. But you also need instruction. If you're not familiar with rifle firing or pistol firing, you need to get somebody to teach you who knows what they're doing or at least watch a lot of videos, see if you can pick up the basics. If you need help with that, almost anybody in the range would be willing to help you if you ask, especially if the range happens to have a range safety officer. Now, granted, you can't occupy all their time because they are there looking for safety infractions. They are there to keep you safe. It's not their job to give you personal instruction. But if you have a quick question for a range safety officer concerning accuracy or function or if you need assistance, you know, running the rifle through its paces, they could probably do that, especially if it's not too crowded. Now, if it's crowded, you may get limited attention and you really should hire or get somebody who has more experience than you. Let somebody teach you from an elevated position, basically. You want to know how to function it? Now, there are basic controls. There's obviously a trigger. There's a safety. There is a slide lock and release or a bolt carrier slide and release. The slide is actually, it's not a slide, it's an internal internal motion is going on in the AR-15. The bolt, the bolt carrier all move back and forth inside the receiver hidden so you don't see it on the outside the way you would with a pistol per se. So that's going to be inside internally and there's going to be a charging handle. What the charging handle does is enables you to pull the bolt and bolt carrier backwards and ideally the spring that is inside the gun will push it forward and lock it into battery. If not, A lot of AR versions have what they call a bolt assist device. What this does is if the bolt does not close all the way, when you pull it back and let it slam forward, you have a button on the side. You can push a couple times to force the bolt carrier and bolt closed to make sure it's in a closed position before trying to fire it because you do not want to try and fire a gun, what they call, out of battery. It needs to be, that bolt needs to be up against that back end of the barrel the lugs need to be locked into the back end of the barrel and it needs to make sure it happens like that every time another thing you have your magazine release the magazine release is going to be on the right hand side of the weapon usually a single button will push that and enable it to drop the magazine now to put a magazine in you don't have to do anything except put it in the bottom and give it a little i guess a little slam Smartly from the bottom, click it in place. Ideally, you're going to give that a tug to try and pull it out straight away. If it doesn't come out, it is locked in and ready to be charged. And once it's charged, remember once it's charged, that weapon is live. It is live and dangerous. Once it's got ammo in the chamber, it is live and dangerous. And be aware of what stage you're at when you're getting it ready to fire. Whether you're firing because you heard a noise in your house or you're just at the shooting range trying to learn how to use your weapon better be aware of its condition always assume it's loaded if it's not loaded pull the bolt carrier back lock it in a rear position and leave it open so anybody walking by can see that you have an empty chamber That's very important. That's range etiquette, which we'll have to get to on another day. There's a lot of things you're supposed to do in the range as far as etiquette goes. And now that it's beginning to get a little cold out, a lot more of us are going to be forced inside to do our shooting, which means the etiquette becomes even more important. That's something we'll probably cover on another day, but you just need to be aware of it. So now you've got your gun, you've got your 500 rounds of ammo, you've got your 10 magazines, you've got your case, you got your optic. You're ready to start learning how to use a rifle. We talked about the bolt carrier release charging handle, which pulls the bolt and bolt carrier back. You release it, it charges the weapon by stripping one of the bullets off the magazine, puts the first one in the chamber, you're ready to go magazine release button on the side push it and the magazine should should drop freely if it doesn't you can grab it while pushing the button and pull the magazine free what else do we have oh yes okay you also have a bolt carrier release switch on the side of the weapon The charging candle will pull it and release it if there's ammo in it. In order to release the bolt carrier, bolt and bolt carrier assembly when there's no ammo in it, there is a separate switch. The bolt carrier release switch on the side of the weapon will release it and allow it to slam home into battery to where you can keep it unloaded wherever you decide to keep it unless you want to keep it loaded. Make sure that bolt is pulled back and, and let gone forward and if there's no ammo in it you can pull the trigger to take the tension off of the spring of the of the receiver of the gun so you don't keep a lot of tension on it for a long period of time something to consider and that should be it with all those and of course you have a trigger a trigger and then you have a normally a two position safety A safe, which means the gun cannot fire at all, and then a fire position, which in most semi-automatics is going to give you one round per trigger pull. And the trigger comes in a variety of types. We've talked about upgrades, and that was one of the things I recommended was a trigger upgrade to an AR-15. It's a relatively inexpensive. You can usually get them for a hundred dollars. So, and they go up to three or four hundred dollars depending on how precise you want to get or what type of shooting you're doing. But that's a good basic starting point is a hundred dollar trigger on a gun will probably be, after you have magazines, after you have an optic, the hundred dollar magazine is probably one of the first things I would recommend as an accessory. Because anytime you have a lighter trigger on a gun or a cleaner breaking trigger, it's going to make it easier to fire, easier to control, And make you more accurate. Make it safer. If it's more accurate, it's going to be safer. You don't want a gun that you're not going to be able to shoot straight. Number one priority, shoot straight, shoot consistently, and you'll be great. You'll have it figured out. And all that takes is practice. So get out there, fire some rounds, get your new AR-15. If you got taxes that have already come back and you're ready to go, look for that new AR-15. Almost any online vendor that sells guns will have AR-15s available. They're probably, you may even have a few of your favorites, I don't know. A lot of them specialize just in AR-15 parts and accessories. Most have a variety of choices and a variety of types of, I guess you could say variations on a theme when it comes to the AR-15. You know, you have heavy barrel, light barrel, shorter ones, longer ones. And all of them have their advantages and disadvantages. Uh, Get something as close to a standard m16 style as you can not saying get the fully automatic m16 but get that style of weapon in a semi-automatic civilian version that would probably be one of the best ones to start with unless you have a specific purpose in mind unless you're looking for a gun that's going to be purpose driven get the 556 get the magazines get what you need to put this package together and let it be your first one after you fire it for a while then you'll be all set You'll be able to use it efficiently, but get somebody to show you all the controls because they're different than other rifles you may have used. Different than a bolt action, different than a slide action rifle, different than a, you know, than some semi-automatic rifles. Like if you have a .22 semi-automatic, the controls are going to be different unless it's in an AR-15 configuration. So learn the AR-15 configuration, the way it fires, the way it does things, and you'll be able to handle any of these weapons with great ease. All right, that's all the time I have for today. I am Roger B. This has been Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio.
0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.